Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on your word and its meaning for us as your disciples today, open our hearts and minds to your way of life. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Today, more than two billion people call themselves Christian. From God's perspective, every Christian is a disciple of Jesus. Not just a fan of Jesus, but someone who follows Jesus and lives out a life in ministry for Jesus. We are all Jesus' disciples, even if we sometimes doubt our discipleship. We have been united with him through the sacrament of water and word, just as he commanded in Matthew 28, 19. Sorry, 28 verses 19 to 20. Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Today's reading reveals where Christian discipleship all began. It also reveals the four key actions for every Christian, every disciple of Jesus, to come and see, then go and tell. Today's reading begins with an encounter with a well-known figure, John the Baptist. John, as we heard last week, baptizing people, so the consequences of their sin in relation to God could be removed. Now, this certainly got under the nose of some religious leaders like the priests and the Levites. They started questioning him, saying, are you the Messiah? Are you the prophet? Are you the one God promised? And here lies our first lesson in being a disciple of Jesus. John the Baptist understands that his calling is not about himself. He is not the story's hero or central character. Instead, he points people to Jesus, the story's real hero. Listen to what he said. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Then the next day, John made it clear to all who were following him that Jesus was the one they should be following. So again, listen to what he says. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. John sees his role as preparing people to meet and connect with Jesus. This is also our role. This is the attitude we should have as we live on earth. Like John, we should see our lives as living to connect people with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus will give them far more than we ever could. And remember, this doesn't mean we will lose them as friends. Instead, our friendship will grow and develop around Jesus. John the Baptist's testimony in today's reading not only disclaims his importance and reveals Jesus as the true hero, but he also reveals what Jesus' focus is. Listen to what John says again. Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world... For those with John the Baptist, who had Jewish ears, 
They would have heard this in connection to the sacrifices their ancestors made for the forgiveness of sin and to the Passover story, where a lamb's blood was smeared over the doorposts just before they left Egypt and the people were saved from death. In other words, John the Baptist said, look, when we connect with Jesus, we are connecting with someone who goes out of his way to make forgiveness and a new life possible for us. How did John the Baptist know this? When John conceded to baptize Jesus and took him down into the river, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came from the heavens in the form of a dove and the voice of God said, this is my beloved son, my chosen one. So something for us all to think about, what do we know of Jesus? What are we learning about Jesus as we worship and study God's word? And one of the things we can learn from John is not to keep this to ourselves, but to share this information with others. Listen to what happens next. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Did you know before today that John the Baptist not only baptised Jesus, but also introduced the first two disciples to him. But who were these disciples? One of them we know for sure is Andrew, and the other is likely John, the writer of the Gospel, according to St John, from which our reading comes. The writer of John's Gospel rarely refers to himself, and of course, what better way to know what happened than to have been there yourself? This is followed by a strange interaction between Jesus and his two new followers. Now listen again to the story. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? In other words, Jesus was asking them, why are you following me? Or what are you hoping to get from me? Those are excellent questions. and We should ask them of ourselves. What do we hope to get from being a Christian? If we're in it just for personal gain, a more comfortable life or a one-way ticket to heaven, we're missing the mark. We are missing out on the full life of following Jesus. The life of a disciple of Jesus requires transformation. Jesus and the early church understood this, and we are called to die to ourselves and rise to a new life that comes from a relationship with Jesus, shaped by Jesus. We are called to be living in the new creation. Andrew and John responded with a seemingly simple question. Rabbi, where are you staying? This is not a trivial inquiry about which house Jesus will be sleeping in. Andrew and John were asking a very Jewish question. Where would Jesus pray, teach, connect with, and receive students? A rabbi's place of teaching was not always a fixed location. Instead, it moved where they moved. It was a place to connect deeply with that rabbi learning not just the letter of their wisdom, but their way of life and perspectives. And this is what Andrew and John have asked Jesus. Where can we go to connect with you, follow you, and learn from you? It is a request for discipleship, spiritual direction, and relationship. Where do you think that Jesus is staying? 
This is important in understanding Jesus and his message to these two disciples and all of us. As we see in John 6, 56, Jesus says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Abide in me and I in you, just as the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The Pharisees and scribes often missed that knowing about Jesus was not just about knowing rules and ordinances, but about a relationship with Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. We are called to come and spend time with Jesus, to come and know him deeply, to trust him, even when trusting him is challenging or doesn't make complete sense. One way discipleship transforms us is through spending time with Jesus and growing in a relationship with him so much that he becomes part of us. When this happens, we become part of his incarnation in the world. God in Christ, Christ in you. And then others are drawn closer to Jesus through you. Jesus told his first two early followers, come and see. In other words, come and discover the first fruits of salvation. Come and experience the new life for yourself. For once you get a glimpse of the kingdom of God, you'll never be satisfied with anything less. Come and see. Sure enough, the men followed him and stayed with him through the day. But then something extraordinary happened. Andrew took off. It was as if he couldn't sit still for another minute. There was something urgent he had to do. John explains it this way. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. This is one of the most touching parts of the story. Andrew loved his brother so much that when he met Jesus and realised who he was, he couldn't wait to tell his brother and bring him to meet Jesus for himself. When he got back with Simon in tow, Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is, by interpretation, Peter. If the first part of the equation is come and see, then the second part is go and tell. Whom do you love? What does it mean for you to love them in a way so they will join you in following Jesus? When something big happens in your life, it's only natural to want to share it with others. You'll never guess what just happened to me. An old Christian song puts it this way. It only takes a spark to get a fire going, and soon all those around will warm up in its glowing. That's how it is with God's love once you experience it. You spread the love to everyone. You want to pass it on. The Billy Graham organisation used this passage as part of their ministry. It's called Operation Andrew. Everyone is asked to pray about those closest to them and whom they love, who are not connected deeply with Jesus, and then invite them to come and meet Jesus at one of the Crusades or at a local church. You can do the math. Whatever size the congregation, 
It doubles whenever everyone follows the example of Andrew and brings a family member, a neighbour, a friend, or someone they met with them. Now, there are th some things we need to be aware of as living witnesses to Jesus and to others. What we are witnessing is what we have discovered about Jesus, which includes his love for us and his mission of coming to earth so that we can be forgiven and have a new life of God. Not because we deserve it, but because God loves us and we need his forgiveness. Like Andrews, the purpose of our witnessing is to connect people with Jesus. It sounds straightforward. So why aren't we always being like Andrew? Why aren't we all witnessing every day? Well, to be a witness can be a very challenging business. We see this in thriller novels or action-packed movies. Someone witnesses a crime, and when the perpetrator realises they were seen, they try to get to the witness before the witness goes to the police or testifies in court. And when we look at the early church writings in the New Testament, and history, we see that being a witness is challenging. The Greek word for witness is maturio. This is where the English word martyr comes from. In the church's early years and in many places today, witnessing for Christ has often led to martyrdom. Open Doors, a resource we often use for our prayer points, reveals that 360 million Christians every year, or over 41,000 Christians an hour, or 1.13 Christians every single second of every day, endure extreme or high levels of persecution because they are Christians. Now, the persecution could involve being killed, beaten, job loss, denied access to education, threats to family, having your worship places demolished or being arrested. But despite this, people continue to trust Jesus and keep being witnesses to Jesus because they know that the love of God is something all in the world need. As Sarah from Egypt says, if someone is willing to kill me for my faith, my God must be powerful and offer something that is better than what our society is offering. And the persecution happens to people even in Australia, where people can be condemned for being Christian and following Jesus by people who often do not know practicing Christians. So for example, as we saw late last year, Andrew Thornburn was forced to step down as CEO of Essendon Football Club, not because he had done anything wrong, but because he was a leader and member of a Christian church. What is the best response to these attacks? It isn't remaining silent. It also isn't being aggressive, angry or hostile. Instead, the best response to these attacks is to continue confessing our witness of all that Jesus has done, is doing and will do for all who follow him. And to be a witness, we first need to put our faith in Jesus, continually spend time with him and other believers, study his teachings and life, know him as our saviour and Lord, and see what he gives us and the world. So we must first come and see. Then, because of our relationship with Jesus, let us go and tell. Let us share with others what we have learnt and know is true about Jesus, and be his witness to everyone we encounter, not only with words, 
but with loving actions. Because the truth is, as John 3, 16 to 17 declares, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is why John the Baptist boldly shared that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So let us live a life of constantly coming to Jesus, seeing who Jesus truly is, going to everyone we know and telling them about Jesus and who he truly is. Amen.